How many of you have ever seen the redwoods of California in person? Oh, I envy you. Most of us have only seen pictures such as this one. They're absolutely amazing. Some grow as high as 200 to 300 feet tall. And so there's some fascinating facts about these unique trees. Let me just give you three. Number one, a healthy redwood grows 10 feet a year. 10 feet. Isn't that crazy? Second, unlike most trees, you'd be amazed to learn that their root system does not really grow downward, but it grows outward, and it's a rather shallow root system. Instead of growing downward, the roots actually are able to intertwine with the other redwoods that are nearby, thus giving them strength. One naturalist said, the giant redwoods of California are literally holding one another up. Isn't that crazy? And the redwoods have the unique ability, number three, to help the other redwoods that are around them. Now, it's tough to explain it, but if one of the trees gets sick or get a disease, the other trees entangle their roots with the sick and hurting tree, thus transferring their nutrients to that tree to make it stronger. Isn't that awesome? That's exactly what Jesus meant for his church to do and be. That we would intertwine with each other, that we would encourage each other and pass strength on to one another when they're hurting. We're in a series called One Another, and today we're going to focus on encouragement. Most of our time will be spent in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 is where we'll start. Paul speaking, he says, therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Question for you. Would your family, would your friends say that you're an encourager? Would your church family say that you're an encourager? Do you have your brothers and sisters in Christ back? Is it your goal to lift them up every chance you get? Well, why would you do that? Well, I want to give you three benefits. There are many, but just three of encouraging others around you. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Encouragement is a good representation of Jesus. Read that with me. Encouragement. Now, in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 24, it hints at Jesus' words in the New Testament when it says this, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And one of the ways Jesus would encourage others is making sure he was always available. He didn't look as he went through his daily life. He looked for opportunities to encourage. And he never saw anyone as a burden or as an interruption to his life. It was his goal to be in that moment and lift others up. The word encouragement comes from a combination of two different Greek words. The first one is para, which means beside or near. The second, kaleo, which means to call. 
Now you take those two words and you put them together. It actually means calling someone near you to comfort them, to encourage them, to literally pour confidence, to pour courage into their hearts. Thus the word in courage, pouring it out to those around you. And there's something deeply spiritual and Christ-like when we engage in true encouragement of someone else. You might think, well, come on, Jeff, you're making a big deal out of this encouragement thing and the power. No, I don't think so. I think it's one of the most powerful spiritual gifts that God can give us. The ability to speak life into someone else. The ability to, as Emily was saying, the ability to encircle her and lift her up. I think that's why Jesus set that for us commanded us to encourage one another. There's a PBS special on the life of Abraham Lincoln, and it detailed the personal items that were found in Lincoln's pockets right after he was shot by John Wilkes Booth. Among them was a folded up piece of paper, a clipping that he obviously unwrapped and read many a times, and he carried it with him in his pocket. It was from a columnist from a particular arc, article that wrote about Lincoln. And in, the, in that folded up piece of paper, it commended Lincoln for being a good leader and a good man. Now, you have to understand that the time Lincoln was assassinated, that wasn't really the prevailing opinion of him in Washington. And yet, this writer appreciated him for his leadership his sacrificial attempts to preserve the United States. And this is how that documentary concluded. It said this, There is something strangely touching about this picture of the world's most influential man privately seeking silence, solace, in the words of encouragement that had been offered by a stranger. That serves as a reminder that maybe some people won't need it as much, but I believe every single one of us needs encouragement. Benefit number two of the one another command is this. Encouragement can make a person less vulnerable to sinning. Encouragement can make a person less vulnerable to sinning. In the New Testament, the Hebrew writer talks about the frequency and benefit of encouragement. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, but encourage one another every other day. Are you there? But encourage one another every other day. Okay, now you're there. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called tomorrow. No, today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so we're encouraged to do this every single day. That's how high a priority it should be in our life. So every day when we get up, we should be saying, okay, God, who can I encourage today? Not who can I blow my horn at? Not who can I shake my head at? God, who can I encourage today? 
It stands to reason if discouragement makes us vulnerable to sin, then encouragement can help us emotionally and spiritually stay healthier. It's a healthier place for our hearts to be so that we don't give in to sinning and we don't allow Satan's attacks to come our way if we are getting encouragement and giving encouragement. Your encouragement to someone who is outside of Jesus Christ may just save their life for all eternity. That's the power you have. Your encouraging word can lift someone's spirit in a dramatic fashion. Something as simple as calling a person by name. You'll never know the meaning that has to them, that you know their name. Some people, when it comes to encouragement, it just comes natural for them. Natural. Chris Boone, she's back here all the time. Chris, she's over there. It's natural. It's like her breathing air, the way she encourages people. To others, it can be a struggle. In fact, they might actually attempt to encourage you and unintentionally actually discourage you. Ever have that? Think of these statements. People innocently say, hey, I didn't expect you to get that promotion. Way to go. Right? When they say, wow, that's a great picture of you. I didn't even recognize it was you at first. One of my favorites. Man, Jeff, that was a a great message today. I didn't even fall asleep today. And what about last week, you know? Unintentionally try to encourage, but discourage. Be in the daily habit of encouraging, and we all can improve on it. And as we do it more, it becomes more natural to us. Our physical bodies need air to breathe. We need food for fuel. We need water to hydrate our systems. In the same way, encouragement, when we receive it, we thrive. When we don't receive it, we're deprived. And we shrivel up and part of us dies. Brenda and I are blessed with five grandkids. Three of them, many of you know, are here local. They are, all three of the ones local are old enough to be in sports, and I mean all the time. And out of those three that are here locally, we have one that is extremely sensitive. And I am learning you can't handle him like the other two that are here, or even close to the way I handled my kids. And I learned a big, big lesson about six weeks ago. About every Saturday, Brenda and I are spending, I don't know, between Saturday and Sunday, probably four hours in the gym watching these guys play different things. Well, Piran, who's in the third grade, on a basketball team, and I would... About four, about five, six weeks ago, probably, I was in the stands, and my natural me, that's who I am, I say, Pierre, pass the ball. Come on, pass the ball. And I say, Pierre, look up when you're dribbling. Look for the guy, pass the ball. Well, to me, I think, there's nothing wrong with that. 
right? Well, my daughter later comes to me while we're eating lunch. She says, Dad, Pierre got in the car and he cried all the way here to the restaurant. Yeah, I said, what's up? Dad, you yelled at him. Hey, yell at him. I was encouraging him. (laughs) Duh. Well, needless to say, I apologized to Pierre and gave him a hug. And from that day on, six weeks ago, I'm still in the stands, but I have intentionally decided I would no longer encourage by critiquing, but everything I would say to him would be good pass, good shot, good job, keep going. And until he says, hey, Papa, how do you think I did? What do you think I can do better? And invites me to give that coaching, I'm not going there. As tough as it is for me, I'm not going there. Now for Paley and Pryor, watch out. (laughs) No, I'm teasing. Words of encouragement breathe life into people. They lift people up. Parents, grandparents especially. Do you have the guts to ask your kids and grandkids how they feel after you critique their efforts? You might be surprised. Discouragement is like a demolition project. Encouragement is like a construction project. Which one do you want to be a part of? Third, last benefit. Encouragement can help you finish the race. Encouragement can help you finish the race. This is huge. In his writings, the Apostle Paul compares, of course, the Christian life to a race. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's trying to encourage people, believers who are going through a really, really tough time of persecution. I think it's impossible for us to understand what that was. That literally every single day their life was on the line for their belief in Jesus Christ. I think it's hard for us, even though we go through emotional pain, to understand what it was like for them to lose their best friends and for their best friends to be murdered because of their belief in Jesus. I I don't think we can get that. So all that going on, Paul turns his attention and says, with all this persecution, with all this suffering, how can we hold each other up? The culture's turning on us, but we've got to rely on each other. So in the very next verse, he tells us something that will help them, and I believe help us through those seasons of life. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Paul again says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. With what words? What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the previous two verses, verses 16 and 17, where he says this, For the Lord encourage each other with this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are all still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome? 
Talk about encouraging somebody to keep on keeping on. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, listen, you guys, you have a hope in heaven. You have a hope that one day you will be reunited with those who have died for the faith, with your friends. And he talks about Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Some of you are old enough to remember a gentleman by the name of Edgar Winsonot back in 1988. He was on the talk show circuit on TV, on radio, all over the place. He was convinced that he had studied scripture and he had figured out exactly when Jesus was going to return. Never mind that Jesus doesn't know, but this guy figured it out. Anybody remember? 1988, maybe I'll refresh your memory. He was so convinced that he set a date. He said, Jesus is going to come back September 10th, 11th, or 12th, 1988. He even wrote a small book on it, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Look it up, but don't believe it, all right? He had tons of followers even had a fringe group of people that sold everything they had because they believed Jesus was coming back. Then on September 10th, what do you think they did? Lots and lots of people on September 10th headed to the mountains. And on September 10th, 11th, and 12th, they waited. And they waited. And they waited. And, of course, Jesus didn't come back. And we can kind of laugh at that. But we should be skeptical about anyone that is a date setter, regardless of their predictions or calculations. Jesus reminds us this of his return. Here's the truth. Matthew 24, 36. No one, no one knows the day or the hour. Nobody. Paul goes on to encourage them by talking about their hope in heaven. And when Jesus returns again, how they're going to be reunited with their friends who have died in the faith. Then the very next verse, beginning in chapter 5, Paul says this. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a what? Like a thief in the night. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in, the dark, in darkness, so this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not like others who are asleep. Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. He says, Jesus is coming. Be ready. Be ready. He's saying, this is going to happen, and you need to spread that hope. And he tells them how to do it. Verse 11, this is how you do it. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Get this. That's the second time in just a dozen verses that Paul points out the value of encouragement, saying you have hope. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people, and that's you. Anthony and Katie Duncan 
this past week made a step again in preparation for heaven as uh, they reunited their faith together as a couple, but most of all, followed in obedience to Jesus Christ and went under the water in baptism as Jesus teaches it for, to, for it to happen. Be encouraged by this. Watch this. Anthony and Katie, upon your confession of faith that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you are now being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Raise your hands, guys. All right, give them a hug. Give them a, an encouraging word uh, as you leave this morning. And <laughs> I had fun with that because they were a little nervous on the old, what am I going to do, especially Katie? <laughs> what am I going to Has he going to drop me if he puts me down and whatnot? I said, whoa, 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 relax. Your husband and wife, you're going to do this together. Nothing in the Bible says you go this way, you go that way, you go this it doesn't matter. It's here. And so they held hands and went down, as you saw, uh, together. And I think that's a powerful, powerful testimony to their love for each other, but most of all, their love and obedience uh, to Jesus Christ. It's awesome. Yeah. How many of you think the world is getting more wacko every day? right? I, I, I think it's just going, it's just wacko. COVID didn't help, but I think it just hasn't recovered, and it's still really crazy out there. The heat, I believe, is being turned up on Bible-believing Christians, and I think it will continue to be. If there ever was a time we need to encourage each other, it's now. Keep on keeping on. Robert Jeffries, a pastor in Texas, said this, if your goal as a Christian is peace, prosperity, pleasure, and the avoidance of pain, then these are going to be terrible days in which to live. But if your goal is like the Apostle Paul, to share Christ with as many people as possible, there's never been a better time to be alive. Wow. Hebrews 10.25 reminds us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? Yeah, the day Jesus comes back. Did you know over the dome of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., there's an inscription which surprisingly puts life into perspective. It says this, one God, there's the capital building. It says one God, one law, one element, and one far-off divine event towards which the whole creation moves. Isn't that crazy? One God, one law, one element, and one far-off divine event to which the whole creation moves. Jesus is coming again. Make no mistake about it. And each day we get closer and closer to that happening. How many of you ever been to a track meet? All right? Track meets, 
you know, they're pretty much all the same. They begin with a certain event and they end with a certain event. So as parents, when you go to a track meet, you can kind of time. You know when your child is going to be in an event where you can show up and then when it's over, you can leave. If not, a track meet can become a marathon meet, like four hours. It's forever. To my luck, our daughter Bree ran track, loved it. But she was in one of the first events, and she was always in the last event. So pack your lunch, right? You're not going anywhere. And as we were there for hours upon time, I saw a lot of races. And I saw a lot of patterns of behavior of family and friends in the stands. For instance, whether it was the 200-meter, the 800-meter, or the mile-long race, something always happened during the race. At the middle of the race, you could see the other side of the track. Well, go back. Did you get to go back one? Yeah. You could see the other side of the track, and you do your best to pick out the colors of the uniforms to see who was leading or whatnot, and you try to pick out your child if you were lucky. This is our daughter, Bree, in high school, all right? You'll be lucky to pick them out to see which one they were. But then something happened. In the final 100 meters, in the bleachers, no one's sitting down. When they're on that side of it, you're barely cheering. Everybody's kind of sitting there. Next slide. But when they come in those final 100 meters, everybody in the bleachers stands. Why? Because they're in the home stretch. And the parents start screaming at the top of their lungs. Come on, come on, you got this, you can do this, you can make it. And I remember screaming, not as loud as my wife screams, but I was screaming, come on, Bree, come on, Bree, give it everything you got. And it didn't matter whether your kid finished first, maybe she's finishing first here, all right? <laughs> you she's finishing first or she's finishing last. You were cheering because she was crossing the finish line. The race was over. She made it. You may be familiar with the name Stephen of the Bible. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He boldly preached about the resurrection of Jesus. And one crowd was so infuriated that they took him outside of the town and they stoned him to death. But while he was preaching, Stephen looked up, and the Bible says that he was able to see into heaven. Wow. And it says that he said, look, I see heaven open up, and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. There he is. Why is that significant? Well, there are 16 different references in the Bible to Jesus being at the right hand of God. This is the only time where he's standing at the right hand of God. Why is he standing? It's because in a matter of seconds, an angry crowd of unbelievers, they're going to drag Stephen outside of town and they're going to stone him to death. 
I think Jesus knew it was the end of the race for Stephen. And he was saying, everything you got, everything you got. You know, it's not going to be easy to be a Christian, to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ in the years to come. It's going to get tougher and tougher, especially as people are going to get more hostile to Jesus' words. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the world's going to have to accept it or reject it. But we've got to be committed. We've got to be committed to come alongside each other, to encourage each other. Northside Medina, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be a united community, having each other's back, lifting each other up, praying for each other, and holding firmly to the word of God, no matter how hard it gets. Because I think we're nearing the home stretch. No, I believe we're in the home stretch. And if we could somehow see it, I think Jesus is standing, and he's shouting to encouragement to each one of you. The finish line's in sight, he's saying. Give it everything you got. Give it everything you got. Turn to the person next to you and say, give it everything you got. Give it everything you got. In light of that, do not give up meaning together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to pray for you, a prayer of encouragement. But after I do that, go ahead right now and, and get your phones out. Go ahead and do that. I'll never tell you that. Oh, sermon, but here it comes. Get your phones out, please. I'm going to pray a prayer of encouragement for you. But then I want to give you a few moments to send an encouraging text to somebody. Somebody. Maybe in this room, maybe a friend, maybe a family member. But I know there are people in this room that need encouraged. Wayne, raise your hand. Wayne's been in and out the past few weeks with health issues. This morning he got in his car and he said, all the dashboard lit up, telling me there's something wrong with my car. He said, I made it here. I don't know if I'll make it home, but he's here. But he says, and he never says this. He says, to be honest with, you, honest with you, this is a rough day. Anna's still in here. And it just lost her. I'm going to do you okay? Help her there, Jean. Just last night, lost her aunt that really was a mentor to her in her life, raised her close to her mom, and it just happened within the last 24 hours. Those are only the two that I really know right now about. Others, I could share other things, but Lisa looking for a job, pretty much maybe, Emily, you need to, you guys need to connect. 
Um, but send out a message of encouragement to somebody. Somebody needs it like they need air to breathe. But let me pray and then you can do that. Father, thank you so much for that you love us, you care for us, that by your spirit, God, you encourage us, impress us, keep it on. And God, I pray this morning that through this week and the weeks to come, maybe, God, we can just look up in the sky and just give us a glimpse that Jesus is standing, saying, give it everything you got. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. You got this. Remember, I'm coming soon. We pray this in his name. Amen. Text somebody.